Hello gatherers, Kuma here letting you know that our favorite part of the year is coming up. It's time for another Extra Life Marathon. Extra Life is the organization that uses game streaming on Twitch to raise money for local children's hospitals. You watch, you donate, and you help kids. What's better than that? Join Gamer Culture crew and guests as they stream for 12 hours on October 28th, and all proceeds will be going to the Children's Hospital of Orange County. Once again, October 28th from 2 p.m. to 2 a.m. Extra Life. Play games, heal kids. Now, on with the show! Welcome to the Indie Comics section. Join us as we take you through the pages of some of the best stories and art that's available in the comic book industry. From trivia to book discussions and to interviews, this is Indie Comics. Alrighty, it's another Indie Comics. This is Tyler. And this is Jeff. And we have an awesome, awesome guest with us today. Uh, who is with us today? Uh, my name is Joshua Williamson, and I write a lot of comics. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. That is that is definitely an understatement. Your you, man, your whole list is like amazing. I was just going through. I'm like, man, how does somebody work this quickly? Uh, uh, I do nothing. I never leave the house. That's the answer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you and I have a lot in common. Then. <laughs> just, yeah. just from that one thing. That is awesome advice, actually. <laughs> yeah, right. If you want something done, don't leave home. Remember that, kids. Well, I mean, actually, if you want to get if you want to get like deep into that, it's funny. I do a lot of work at home, like, uh, but I've learned that specifically. I would say dialogue. I don't know. I've learned that like getting out of the house is very helpful. Yeah. But yeah, like a long drive sometimes. <laughs> like the drive, the comic shop I go to is a little bit further away from me, and so the drive and the to the comic book store and back, I always have ideas on the way there and back. Yeah. Um, I always get some really like, good ideas in the car too. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I actually, I actually record myself talking to myself. This is really? a secret. I'm not telling you guys. Yeah, like, uh, people, I, I've talked with before. <laughs> uh, I have audio of myself talking to myself going back. I would say since the beginning of, of. So, so here's what happened when we were working okay. on Fly Free. I was, <laughs> my wife and I were uh, having a baby, and we're also in the middle. This is a year and a half ago. We're also yeah. in the middle of moving, and and so what happened was I had to write. Um, an issue of Flash and we were doing notes and changes and everything it was Flash Rebirth and I had to um, do some changes on the second half of oh, an wow. issue Yeah, and I had to do them that day but we were in the middle of moving and I dropped my dog off at like a doggy daycare all this stuff and so on that drive I was like you know I know this like I knew it it was one of those things where if I was home it would have been nothing but because I had to make that drive I was like man I'm not sure what I'm going to do and so I was like, yo, I'm going to record myself and see how this works and then get home and type it up. And so I did that. I recorded myself the whole way to dropping my dog off and coming yeah. back. And when I got home, I typed it up and I was able to finish it like it was nothing. And uh, I learned from that. And so I, that's when I started doing it a lot. So, yeah, I have, I have recordings of myself and I, I don't do the voices necessarily. Yeah. Uh, but I definitely do the attitude of the characters. So that helped that helped me with finishing a lot of stuff over the last year and a half. That is so smart to do. I know, like, um, it's not like that, but I did that once in the car. I uh, I was taking voiceover, um, a, vo a voiceover class, and I forgot my thumb drive at home. So I had my phone, and at this time, you know, and I had, they had Google Drive already. So I literally recorded in my car my, like, minute-long, uh, I just redid my like even and everything was professionally done in a studio and everything like that. I just redid it in my car just so I can have it and have a grade and like proceed on to, you know, like the next curriculum. 
And so basically my final, I redid it in my car and the audio oh, was horrible, God. but I still passed. So that's, that was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. Oh my gosh. So, um, that, oh my God, that's, that's so cool. And I'm going to start doing that now. Um, but we have picked images nail biter biter for the month of October. So we wanted to pick a horror comic book, uh, this for this month. And, uh, one thing. So, uh, yeah, let's, let's get started with what exactly is nail biter. Uh, Nailbiter is an image series. Um, it is about a small town in Oregon where 16 of the world's worst serial killers were all born and raised. Oh. Uh, and, and an FBI agent goes to this town to try to figure out uh, what happened in that town. The 16 serial killers would all have been born there. Huh. <laughs> and, then it just, and then it goes from horror out from that. You know, yeah. like obviously, I know <laughs> – you know, bad things happen, but it's uh, it's very much like a mix of Science of the Lambs and Twin Peaks. It's funny. We were actually like pretty deep into it when True Detective came out. And so we announced it. Like, oh, OK. We announced it like the week before True Detective started coming, like was on television. But then after that, everyone was like, oh, it reminds me of True Detective. And I was like, oh, man, we were working on this for years before True Detective. Because <laughs> um, I started working on it in 2011 and it came Whoa. out in 2015. So, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, it's essentially those. That's what it is. Did you approach uh, Image uh, with it, like you know, way back when? And then, I mean, like, I, how did that get started? Uh, no, I, I mean, I started talking to publishers about it back in 2011, and people kept yeah. rejecting. Um, and they just didn't see it. But it's one of those things that's really. I'm, I'm really glad they all rejected it because it gave me more time to work on it, but also fired me up. Yeah, like, I'm a very. I don't want to say I'm a vindictive person, but I can be. <laughs> a little, I can be a little on the like. I'll show you. Yeah. Um, about things. And so it got rejected a couple times. And then, um, <laughs> which just, it was one of those things, you know, like as a creator, I knew that was a book I had to do. And if I didn't do it, like my life would not be complete, you know, like in your gut, you're just like, Oh my God, I know, yeah. I know it. I can feel it. And, uh, Mike Henderson and I had worked on a couple things before we had done like a couple like shorter stories together. We were doing this book that was a digital thing. Yeah, we were doing a web comic called Massive Mobsters, and we worked on like an Rose comic together. We just got along really well, and we were text. We this is all via text. Half of Nailbiter was written via text. Uh, so we're like texting each other during one of the image expos, and he was just like, "I really, we gotta do an image book." And I'm like, "Why? Well, I had already done a few image books at that point." But uh, I knew, you know, people at Image. I'd worked at Image before, and um, I said, "I was like, well, I have this book I want to do." It's called Nail Buyer. It's a horror thing. We started talking about it. And so then I um, I sent samples of Mike's work plus kind of the pitch to Image. And so they were interested. And then it, then it became a matter of, like, show us. And so then we, we made, I think, the first oh – God, I want to say we made the first eight pages. And we sent the first eight pages to them, and then they approved it. Oh, nice. That's awesome. We just, yeah, then we were just off to the races after that, and then it was a matter of putting putting the team together. Then we got a – then we brought in a colorist. We brought in a yeah. letterer because I was actually lettering it myself at first, yeah. and uh, it did not look great. I had actually lettered a lot of stuff before, all my independent stuff before that, but I knew this book needed somebody professional that was going to make it look really good, and uh, I really liked John J. Hill. He had done <laughs> a lot of stuff at DC for a long time, and he had lettered uh, Edison Rex – so he just he worked out really well. Yeah, like he's also the designer for the book. I mean, a letterer is like is so so important. We we've talked to uh, multiple people in the past. Like we had Richard Starkings on, you know, and he has, you know, he's 
you know, very famous letterer and everything and just the, the science and everything behind it and just how much practice and everything for it. Like, you know, it, it could, it could really, really either really bring you into a comic or it could really kind of get you to, um, feel disconnected a little bit. It's really weird. Oh yeah, for sure. It, it, it's, I don't want to say it's the part that you read because you know, the art, plus the lettering, all that coming together. is it, yeah. it, So it all needs to work together. Uh, way back in the day, I say way back in the day, but back in like <laughs> 2000, 2003, 2002, yeah. um, Philip uh, Sabak, who works for Boom now, he used to work at Diamond, and he was in charge of like um, books that were coming in. So basically, yeah. if you were self-publishing back in the early 2000s, if you sent a book into Diamond, Philip was the one that would look at it and approve it or not. And he would talk about how that was the first thing he would look at was how professional the lettering was because it was very, very telling yeah. of the book's – not only the book's quality, but the professionalism of the creator is based on the lettering. And that always stuck with me after that. That's and crazy, I like, yeah. Completely. And actually, speaking of Richard Starkings, Richard Starkings had made a book back then that looked like a comic book, but it was a, a how-to guide on lettering. And that's yeah. how I learned the letters from the book. That's a good book. Um, <laughs> it is a great book. Yeah, it's a great book. And that, that I learned – because I went to school for art, but I learned how to do book production. And, like, I had done a book – my first book at Image I ever did was a book called Dear Dracula. And it was a kid's book. And me and my buddy, the artist on it, we did everything on it. Like, I lettered it. And he, he did the art and the coloring, but I lettered it and wrote it. And we did all the production work on the entire book, just the two of us. And we actually sent it off to the printer. <laughs> And handled uh -huh. everything. Like, it showed up at Images of Warehouse, basically. And I think Image did a little bit here and there to make sure, like, the legal stuff was all on the FNI. Yeah. But he did all the production on that book. Um, you still have a copy of, of that book? Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. But I still wish I could go back and redo some of the production on it and, and get it more professionally lettered, I guess. Yeah. Anyway. I can do that. All righty. All right. Um, so how did the story itself unfold after the different meetings were, were, were underway? Like, whenever you would pitch the comic. Uh, back then, I mean, it was like little stuff here and there. And I remember there was something I was missing. And so one of the biggest changes, this is a spoiler. We're getting into oh, spoilers. Okay. Uh-oh. <laughs> so one of the biggest changes was originally the nail biter himself, who is a, he's a serial killer who would kidnap people and then he would shoot, he would only kidnap nail, people who shoot their nails. Oh. And then he would kidnap them until their nails grew back and then he would chew them for them and then after the nails were gone he would kill them and originally he was going to be in prison and it was going to be this whole thing very much like uh science of lambs you know like Campbell oh yeah oh yeah up. and that was gonna be the idea is that like there he was gonna be locked up and one of the fbi agents there was gonna be there's there's an fbi agent named uh carol and then there is an army interrogator who works with the fbi and his name is finch and so Finch was going to be kind of a, a, our POV for a lot of this stuff because he was going to be the new the new person coming in, right? Oh, okay. Yeah, so, yeah. So you always you know you always have a new person that comes in that way you can explain everything to him. Exactly. Um, yeah, like Hellboy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can give an exposition to the audience. And so this uh, Finch was going to be this person, but he was going to go back and forth between the town and a prison where he would talk to the nail biter, yeah. and it was it was very very Hannibal. And I started thinking about this stuff about Hannibal and Dexter, and I was like, ah, this is all the same. Like, what's going to set this apart? Um, and originally, that was how it was. And every time I talked to anybody about it, it was always him being in prison. And we kept going over this for a while. And then um, 
I don't even remember how it came about, man. I think I was just like working on it, thinking about it. And this book was always one of those things where it's like you kind of find the solutions to things by happenstance. Yeah. But I was thinking about it a lot and I was like, oh, you know what? He's not in prison. He got acquitted. <laughs> oh. He gets acquitted yeah. by, because of a, a problem with the evidence. Yeah. So oh. he ends up getting out and he's free. He comes home. It's the idea is like everyone knows it. And it, you think about someone like O.J. Simpson, right, where it's yeah. like this person basically gets away with murder. This is a guy <laughs> who everyone knows is a serial killer. Like the evidence – there should have been enough and, and he has been – uh, definitely uh, prosecuted in the media and by uh, just everyone, but yeah. because of the system, this guy who is a serial killer who people know has murdered like over forty people just goes home. Yeah, and so that was one the small thing shit. could like technicalities. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, and so that's that that's the twist at the end of issue one. Spoilers, sorry. Oh, that's uh, okay. <laughs> that's that's essentially it, right? I mean, that's that's the twist on the book that I realized as I was working and then things that, that changed the book completely because yeah. then I had this idea of someone going home and everyone knew like everywhere he goes, everyone looks at him and they know this person did this thing, but they can't do anything about it. And he's a very twisted individual. He's very manipulative. Um, and that totally changed the way that book was. So that yeah. was one of the things I was thankful for. Because I think every step of the way, everyone I talked to, um, they uh, this was all before that, and so I'm glad. Like I and I'm glad that throughout those conversations, they kept saying no because it pushed me to figure that part out. And once yeah. I figured that part out, then it, it just it took off. And I think that's a major part of what makes that book work. Oh my gosh, that's that's really cool. <laughs> no, I, I, absolutely. Like this, yeah. Like you know those helping you and also kind of like you know you, you you taking a step back and be like okay why didn't this work or what yeah so that's yeah that's always kind of the best way to do it we need more we need more advocates in our group in our, in our circle of friends i agree i agree <laughs> we definitely could use that devil's advocate anyways now nail buyer ended with 30 issues which is fantastic now did you intend for this story to be produced for that many issues was it was it going to be more or was it going to be less i mean what was your intention there um, we had always, it's, it's a, it's a multi-layered question, I guess. So we wanted to go to at least 30, 30 was our least. Oh, okay. Right? Like that oh, was, so that was the minimum 30, you guys were shooting for then. Yeah. But at the same time, 30 was our like dream, you know, that yeah. 30 was the like, oh man, if we had 30. That'd be terrific. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, that's fantastic for independent comics. Like that is, that yeah. is such a oh, cool, yeah. like that's, a, that's great. Yeah, and but we also knew the story, and we knew where the story was, and so, but we had built in fail safes yeah. into every five issues. Uh -huh. So, if we had to end at five, we could have ended at five. Um, if we had to end at ten, we could have ended at ten. Ten would have been a bummer, considering what happened by the time. But by the time five came around, we knew we were good. Okay, we knew we were good until twenty. And good. so uh -huh. somewhere in the middle of 20, we're in the middle of the teen issues, like early teen issues. We knew we were going to make it to 25. And then I think around, God, I'm trying to remember what issue had just come out. Before 21, before 21, Mike and I had had a conversation and we both knew that 30 was going to be it. We, we felt pretty strongly about it. And we could have gone to 50 with sales. Um But I think there was also, we knew where the story was. We didn't want to drag it out. We had thoughts on 
how we want this book to be just with these 30 issues but in general there was a, there's a lot of stuff that we kind of went into our thoughts on it yeah and then um mike at the same time i was working on a lot of dc stuff and i knew the ending was there i don't want to drag it out mike had been working on this book since 2013 and basically working on nonstop for almost three years and did he help you write it as well a little uh, bit. It's weird. I well, I can explain that in a second. But okay. we, so what we do is, he's been working on it nonstop, and but but also drawing it. And Mike's a fast artist, but he was trying to do other stuff. And he was there was night. It was a nice relaxed schedule for him. Yeah. But Mike is a guy who really loves Star Wars and Lord of the Rings, and he's drawing a book with people standing in a field and dark buildings all the time. You know, oh, like okay. So I think there was a part of him that was like ah. I'm getting antsy and so we ended it so there was a lot of factors at work to being like the story is here we're both there i think professionally this is where it's at <laughs> and so it all kind of came to a head and we were like no 30 makes sense the way mike and i would work um is like i would say we would text each other a lot and so we would text back and forth ideas sometimes he would come over and we would sit there with a whiteboard and we'd literally write one through 20 we would talk it out but then after that so sometimes i would pitch it to him so i'd be yeah. like here's what i think this issue is going to be beginning middle and end we would talk it out uh, or text each other. He actually lives like five minutes from my house, so that made it <laughs> very easy. Well, and that was he, – so he moved over here – I think we were in the middle of issue 15 or 16 when he moved out here. But uh, then I would write a full script, and I would give him the full script, and then he would draw from there. But there's also we, – we know each other really well. We know yeah. there's clicks. Uh, I know what he likes. He knows what I like. And so – there were times where he was like, I want to make these changes. A lot of times he was texting me, be like, I'm changing this. And I'd be like, go for it. I don't think it was ever a moment where I was like, no, 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 no. I was just like, yeah, cool. Especially if you stay within the page. That's my only picky thing. Anytime I'm talking to artists, I try to keep um, the page turns consistent, or at least the page, what happens per page, uh, keep that flow rolling so you're not messing with your page turns at all. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, but then after that, I'm like, whatever. Like, yeah, that sounds <laughs> That sounds great. Um, Man, so okay, so basically, he, he can get, he can crawl into your head and kind of understand things, you know, even probably before, like maybe like a couple seconds before you even think about it, kind of. Oh yeah, we're very <laughs> on the same. We're really on the same page. A lot of stuff, like he. Oh, that's so. That, see, that's that great. Made my, it made my scripts a lot looser too, because it was like and and a lot. Uh, I don't want to use the word sparse, but yeah, there wasn't as. I wouldn't do as much detail as I think I do on other books with that one because yeah. and also because he talked it out, so he knew it. Yeah. You know. I can understand that. I mean, that actually kind of goes with my, with my question, you know, because um, lately, especially, I mean, horror's kind of always been around in comic books, but lately I feel like that there's more and more and more coming out, which is great. Mm -hmm. uh, how did you guys you know, kind of approach this? You know, um, you know, cause obviously you, you work a lot more, you know, you work a lot on the mainstream comic books and stuff. So like something like this creating, you know, a really, really cool and different and really violent yet scary um, story a uh, story like this with image, this is something very different from what, you know, you've done before, uh, I guess in this, you know, with this kind of, yeah, I guess genre, um, you know, how did you guys kind of approach this? Did you see well, it? I think, well, go ahead. Oh, no, so did you see it more like a, like a book, like literature or like a TV show? I mean, I guess in those answers, I mean, the, 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 uh, the pompous answer is I saw it as a comic book. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I mean, actually, it's acceptable as well, though. So, so here's what it is. All right. So it's interesting you were saying more mainstream stuff. At that time, 
when Nailbiter came out and I was really working on it, I had been doing some stuff at DC and some stuff at Dark Horse, but I wasn't all that happy with it. Yeah. And I knew the kind of books I wanted to be making, and I wasn't making them. And uh, I had gotten away from that a little bit, from working on mainstream stuff. And I did a book at, at Image through Skybound called Ghosted. And I felt like that was the first book that I'd done in a long time. Yeah. And really, I would say in general, I think that was the beginning of me being like, oh, no, these are the books I want to make. And I did a book called uh, Birthright, which I actually started working on before Nailbiter. So even though, even though Birthright came out after Nailbiter. Um, and so I started developing those things. And with Nailbiter in particular, I really like a lot of horror movies. I do like a lot of horror comics, but I like a lot of horror movies. And with that, I also really like watching documentaries about horror movies and like <laughs> when people like the commentary around it and the tropes yeah. and the genre and the things we love about horror and one of my favorites is um the bio channel did this series of documentaries about a bunch of different movies a lot of them were horror one of the best ones there's two of them there they're terrific one of science and lambs and one of halloween i love watching those oh wow like, I, the, the two documentaries are terrific and they're modern they, they took and what are they called they were, do you know what they're uh, called God. Yeah, it's um, just I think it's like they're like true story. It's uh, oh, okay. inside story. So it was like bio inside story, science ah. science, bio inside story, Halloween. They like they had like bio inside story dances with wolves, which is also terrific. Yeah, uh, they're all really <laughs> strong. They're all great. They're all like two hours long. They made one on screen. Holy like, crap! They made one on screen that's three hours long, and they oh, made geez. one on on Nightmare on Elm Street that's like five hours long. Wow! And, and they're, I thought they're terrific. And I thought Best Worst Movie was, like, long. And that was the one about Troll 2. <laughs> I love yeah, that movie, so, though. I love so, that movie. Yeah, imagine, imagine that, you know, and it's, and it's modern. Like, they take – they took – what's interesting about those is that they take some footage from back then, but then they update it with, like, current interviews, current commentary. And so on the Halloween one, it's, like, they do – they take interviews with John Carpenter back then or maybe again, like, 10 years later. And then they would do one that was modern. So this was about 2011 when these documentary series was on TV. Yeah. Uh, it's super hard to find now. You can probably find them on YouTube. Um, but I love them. And I've watched them multiple times. Some of them, some <laughs> of them they later like repurpose. They put them on like a, a DVD release. So like when Scream 4 came out, the Scream one was on there. When they did the 20th anniversary of Halloween, it might have been the 30th anniversary of Halloween. They had it on there. Okay, uh, I have to watch these. But, so here's the thing. So with Nailbiter, I knew what I wanted to make. I wanted to make a B-movie, grindhouse sort of comic that played with tropes and really would just show like a love letter to horror, take all these tropes and just put them in comic book form and try to find ways of doing things that I do love in movies. Um, the little the, the tropes that we normally see in movies, but do them in a comic. Yeah. Even in the delivery and how it was executed. That was really my goal with it. You, and then to do a serial killer story yeah. you in missed, a small town. <laughs> you missed it because we're on video, but like we were basically just looking at each other and be like, yes. <laughs> yes, exactly, because like, this is what we're all about. <laughs> I know. This, this, is, this is the kind of stuff that we just love. So, oh, my gosh. Um, oh, man. All right. Um, do you have a constant theme that you like to include in all of your work? Or that you try to, at least. Or that you try in to. all of my work? Yeah. Uh, or, yeah, I deal with a lot of uh, themes repeat themselves in my work a lot, like death. Uh, death, <laughs> family, uh, divorce, um, things about friendship, and then also like abandonment. Um, a lot of those seem to repeat themselves a lot in in uh, in my stories, and you'll see some of it in, in Nailbiter and 
it's there in Ghosted. It's there in Birthright. It's even there. I be honest. It's even there in like the DC stuff I do. Like Flash honestly, has I, a lot when of you said stuff. that, I heard I'm I'm remembered of your stuff on Voodoo actually. <laughs> Voodoo has it too. Yeah, I, I saw a lot of it in Voodoo when you were mentioning that. Yeah, like, yep, so I mean, me yeah, I I put I, and I know I do it. Sometimes it's not on purpose, and then I'll look back at it. and I'm like, oh, I still put it in there. Like, I still found places <laughs> for it. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome that's, that's great though i mean oh man i it's like, like the divorce the death and stuff like that i'm like yes the stuff that like, i don't know i always it's, feel it's, like it's about life-changing really yeah, in, like, exactly ways. overcoming yeah. horrible obstacles um well i guess death is like an ultimate like i guess obstacle like if it's about you anyway um mm-hmm. so uh what kind of pressure uh do you think that there is like if you're comparing working at the independent comic books like image um, Dark Horse and stuff like that. Like, what what are the different kind of pressures in between that and mainstream? Besides the fact that it's you know a little bit more like, um, I guess you know like. Ah, I'll let you answer the question. <laughs> I, you know, it's a tough question. I don't really feel like there's a different kind of pressure because at the end of the day, you're still trying to make a book that you like. Yeah. And I thought about this more and more recently. I think because I think people always want to be like, oh well, you know. Um, there's more editors at these bigger companies. I still had editors at, at Image, like we, you know, people I would work with. But at the same time, like I'm the harshest critic, and it's like I still am frustrated when things are not up to what I feel is a good book. And so yeah. that, so it's all equal to me at it's, that point. It's like what you were saying um, before when you were saying that you know, like you weren't really proud of what you were doing at that point. So like you know, you worked really hard, you know, to get nail biter. So yeah, it, it, you know, it, I think. Scott Snyder talked about this years ago where he was talking about Batman and he was talking about having to own the book and having to try to like, you, you would treat it like it was to create your own book, yeah. you know, you let them. And so I think the lessons that I learned working on, um, I'm going to say ghosted now buyer and birthright. I do apply that those lessons. And I have to remind myself of that because I think what happens is sometimes it's funny. I, and I've heard this from other creators and I've told other creators the same thing. You have to be careful about, uh, saying no for them yeah like you don't want to like second guess them and predict what they're going to do if you think something is cool try it put it out there then if they don't like it then you have another conversation but a lot of just have fun with it and sometimes i think creators forget that they they get really marred down in this idea of um trying to create a specific kind of book they think it's supposed to be versus like, I'm just gonna have fun with this. Yeah. <laughs> and so I still try to like, I still try to put that into everything I'm doing is trying to find out where's the fun, where can I do some cool stuff? Where's the oh shit moment? Like I have notes everywhere that are just like, where's the oh shit moment at? Where's that thing that like, someone's gonna read this that week and they're gonna screen grab it and wanna post it. Like, you know, and what's that? So it gets me excited. That's a big part of it is because if I'm not excited about writing it, then yeah. I, there's a problem. I feel like if I, if I was gonna write a uh, like a, a comic book, I would be like, all right, what what panel is gonna make it on Reddit? Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, dude. Yeah. Yeah. What's the thing that's gonna get people excited? Yeah, uh, you can't get too bogged in that, that sometimes, though. <laughs> yeah, it's true. No, it's true. Absolutely. Yeah, he's like, you, you can't force force yourself to make to make yourself famous. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Just yeah. have fun with it. Try to find the things that you know you think will be you think would be cool. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Well. Who are your literary and or artistic influences? Ah, I mean, that's a tough question. <laughs> uh, it's really hard, because I feel like with comics, it's easier for me with comics, right? Yeah. Like, 
with with novels, uh, I, I find oddly like Ronald Dahl always influences me. Yeah. In, in weird, surprising ways, like I still see it now. It, it, the way I think <laughs> about a lot of stuff comes from that. Um, with comic books, you know, I would say Jeff Johns, uh, Mark Wade, a lot of flash writers, uh, <laughs> Peter David. <laughs> Uh, I've been seeing more of Neil Gaiman lately, and it's partially because I'm rereading Sandman right now. Oh, so uh, yes. Been, yes. I've been picking up some of that stuff in there a little bit. Um, Mike Mignola yeah. is someone who I look at their work, and I'm always like very inspired by it. Uh, there's a lot of creators that I think have kind of been forgotten to time that I really liked when I was younger. A lot of, ba- a lot of Batman writers, you know, like Alan Grant. See, oh, yeah. I, 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 feel like, I feel like everybody forgets about you know Denny O'Neill a lot, and it makes me sad. Yeah, Denny O'Neill. Denny O'Neill. Uh, I always pronounce mispronounce last name, but Doug uh, Munch, Munch, Monick. Uh, he was a Batman writer. Uh, Grant Morrison oh. is a huge one. Yeah, yeah. Grant Morrison I, is a huge one. I mess one. up his name too. That's why I'm kind of for the left me trying. Yeah, <laughs> I mess up his uh, name too. If you look at a lot of my work, you can see a lot of Garth Ennis, especially in Ghosted. Yeah. Uh, yes. You know, there's so many, man. I mean, it, I it's hard. A Drew Baker was one at one time oh, where I was like Brubaker. clearly ripping him off. Uh, <laughs> uh, Matt Wagner is one. Yeah. Uh, I was actually, I didn't realize that until Mage restarted uh, last month. I started looking at Mage again and was like, oh, yeah, like this guy 100% was the work I do. Um, he is fan- I mean, that's the thing about comics. It's like one thing because, you know, I guess when we were always growing up, you know, we, it was kind of, we were not secluded, but, you know, it was it was different. So you were very connected to yeah. that, you know, that kind of geekdom and that thing that, you know, every comic book you, you were just so connected to, people who are writing it and everything. And, you know, and it's, um, and that's why, like, it's so hard. Like, even, you know, Jeff and I will have this conversation constantly yep. as to, like, you know, it was like, well, you know, who do you think are, like, top five? And we're just like, I can't do that. Like, give me top 20. Oh, I know. I have a give list. me a top one hundred, maybe. Yeah, right. Yeah, I have a thing on my computer that has like a top twenty for like a bunch of stuff, and I change it all the time. And part of me is always like, I'm gonna post this one day, and I'm like, no, it's, it's a living document. You know, it's like yeah. it, I'm never gonna settle. It's kind of like uh, how it's kind of like how Wizard was, Magazine used to have a t- the favorite the favorite artists and writers of the week. They would change it from week to week and all that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, but at the same time, it was always like the same. At least seven of those names would never change. Exactly. Um, yes. <laughs> Uh, another one that I obsess over and I learned how to write issue ones from him is Brian K. Vaughn. Like, oh. I feel like... Oh, I'm, yes. Absolutely. I'm very critical of issue ones and that's because of him. Yeah. A lot of people, man, that, that's a lot. That's everybody's answer now. I mean, he, he's, he's fantastic, but man, that's, it's crazy. Like, what, what, God, what a legend already. I mean, and you're, yeah, you, I you were just as good. I love, I love your stuff as well. I, I, I absolutely love your stuff, which is why I was so excited you know, to do this book, uh, you know, especially he, in October. He, uh, he was very complimentary about Nailbiter, which meant a lot to me. He actually uh, came up to me at a party one night. Oh. And was talking about how much he enjoyed Nailbiter, but really it was issue seven that he was really happy with, which is the Bendis issue, where Bendis is like is a guest star for an issue. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, he was really, he really liked it a lot. And that meant a lot to me. It was one of those things where I'm like, I did it. <laughs> and we had this we got this we had this long conversation about why the last man and uh, and cliffhangers and uh yeah talk yeah. about cliffhangers on that jesus yeah, <laughs> yeah he, he gets it man i think he's one of the best yeah 
But uh, all right, we have two more questions for you. Uh, oh. One question that we always ask everybody. Um, mm -hmm. When you suffer from writer's block, what do you do <laughs> in crunch time to overcome it? I have no idea how to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say it just figure it, it figures itself out. Or yeah. I mean, it's it's hard because I do get writer's block. Like I'm not gonna say I don't. Um, I definitely do. I try to switch gears and try to think of something else. Or like we were talking about earlier, I'll go for a drive or I'll go for a walk, just something to kind of figure it out. Because yeah. I definitely do get writer's block. And Bendis said this thing. I was in Bendis's comic writing class like seven and a half years ago, and. He talked about how normally when someone gets writer's block, it's not because they're stuck on the story. It's because something else is going on that's distracting them. And oh. I think that's very oh. true. You know, that like for the most part, if I get writer's block, it's not because I'm not grooving that day on the story. It's because I'm distracted by something else. And I mean like life stuff. You know, like you're having a bad day, you're frustrated, or maybe a note came in that you just like took too personal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, all those things kind of add up. But I think – Facebook, for me, Facebook got, uh, gossip got too real. I'm just kidding. Uh, I, don't get hit, I, I don't get hit by uh, Facebook so much. Oh, yeah. <laughs> by, by Twitter. I think Twitter is the one that, that I, I find myself getting pissed off by. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Agreed. That's too, that one's too <laughs> like, easy. That damn 140 words or, le or letters. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah. I actually don't – it's probably on tweet as much as I used to. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean I think for, for me with writer's block uh, – what I've actually found to be really helpful is to go and read comics that I love. Like, oh. to go back, look at some older stuff, flip through it, sit down, and just breathe a little bit, you know? Yeah. And kind of, it helps me click. Like, it helps things click in my head, and then I kind of, I'm able to hit the ground running. Because a lot of times, uh, the way I write comics, we were talking about this earlier, where I will dictate stuff, but the reason why I'm able to dictate is because I can see it. Like, if yeah. I, can, I can see the comic on my hands and the page turns and the flipping of the pages, and the pacing of it, then the rest of it sort of fills itself in. That's the that's the hardest part is getting that kind of those beats down. Once I have that down, it's really just a matter of spending time typing it up. Um, and so whatever I got to do to get that to happen, then it's on fire. That's why sometimes I can write a whole comic in a day. Like if I just know it, if it's like the night before or that morning, I just wake up and I'm like, oh man, I know this. I know this whole <laughs> oh, thing. God. I can see it. Uh, I'll just write the whole thing awesome. Man, man. I, I love your answer. That's I or the whole thing. Like I mean, we know we've actually never had anybody answer like that. Before. No, we especially, haven't. Especially that's with the what's you refreshing know. about this. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. That's why I love this question because everybody always has a, di a different answer. Sometimes some people have you know relatively the same answer, but like it, it's it's answer like yours that like make it like so you know like important to ask about because so many people have issues with you know with writer's block or just you know a concept or you know, or just something that's impeding them from yeah. continuing on with something. Oh, I definitely get it, though. I think it's funny people say they don't get it. I'm like, oh, please, come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're like, please. Please. <laughs> I think, I think Ben is, he doesn't get writer's block, but he talks about, because it's not writer's block what he gets. He has a bad day. Yeah. Um, you know, that's a totally different thing. But anyway, so what's your last question? Absolutely. All right. What should we be looking towards in the near future with you? <laughs> uh well like you already talked about earlier nail biters over birthright uh issue 26 just came out it's a being of a new story arc and it's one of my favorite yep. issues of the book I've, I've ever written it's one of my favorite comics that i've written this particular script that came out last week Ooh. uh yeah i really like working on birthright that's gonna be going for a few more years um flash is still coming out every two weeks yep oh yeah uh, <laughs> I am working on a lot of the stuff for DC with the Dark Knights Metal crossover event, yes. so I'm writing the Red Death nice. special. Uh, I co-wrote the Batman Lost special that comes out in November with yep, Snyder yep. and with that James. 
Oh my god, uh, that is so cool. And there's some cool stuff coming up next year. It's just too soon to talk about. And I think we're announcing another new book that I'm doing in New York. So oh, there's perfect. a lot coming out. But I think if you're you're looking for that regular fix for me, Flash, right now Flash and Birthright are the two to go for. Oh man, awesome. Yeah, I will. We we both love your work so much. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you here. so much, guys. It's, yeah, uh, anytime. Is New York your uh, your next Comic Con? Yeah, New York is it for me for the rest of the year. And oh I, man. I still travel because I go down to the. I go out of the offices like once a month for stuff, <laughs> but uh, yeah, New York is it for me for the uh, conventions. Oh man, uh, well, I wish we were gonna be there. That's we're gonna we're gonna go there next year. That's our plan. We're gonna be oh, at good. Uh, we're gonna it's, be at LA Comic Con or Stan Lee's. We're gonna go Kamikaze. That's the oh, best. Kamikaze, that's the best name. Right, that's the best name. It is. It's a good one. But yeah, yeah, I think you guys will really enjoy <laughs> New York. New York is one of the. Uh, I feel like that's like the big one right now for creators. Like yeah. especially this year, a lot of people come. Oh, just from the artist alley alone, I hear. Is oh, yeah. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Man. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Well, oh, yeah, we appreciate it. Thank you guys for this. talking to me. Uh, anytime, hit me up, and maybe we can do this again. Absolutely. Sounds great. That would be <laughs> great, sir. <laughs> All, All right. right. Thanks, guys. Have, Have a good, good night. You too. Bye. Thanks for listening in. Our podcasts are available on iTunes and any podcast app and, of course, our website, thegrandgeekgathering.com. We have articles, videos, and other podcasts for you to enjoy as well. And while you're there, go ahead and contact us. We would love to hear from you. And to stay updated, like us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and, of course, we stream on Twitch. And check out our YouTube as well. Music is provided by bensound.com, and you can buy Nailbiter at Image, or you can go to your local comic book shop or Comixology. But we also always, always, always support local businesses. So come and join the gathering. Have a great week, and GGG! Joshua Williamson is awesome. Ah, that was a great interview.